Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. Our 810 guest, I am excited to interview. Why? Well, let's talk about this. August is National Black Business Month, which I didn't know that. <laughs> for those interested in starting their own company, what should they know about the capital and financing that's needed to start such a venture? And what resources are out there to help your business grow? Well, First Independence Bank is the first black on bank in the Twin Cities. And Damon Jenkins, Senior Vice President of the Twin Cities branch, joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline to talk about those resources. Damon, welcome to WCCO Radio. Um, it really is a pleasure to have you on. Hey, thanks. I appreciate the invite. and I'm excited to be a part of the conversation. I am um, so overwhelmed with joy uh, when I first heard about the First Independence Bank opening up. And I wonder if you have heard um, a lot of people like the screams and, and joy of people that when it was first announced, I, I can just imagine what that was like for all of you, because so many people of color, BIPOC, not just African-Americans, but just overwhelming. And you also have such a beautiful mixture of African-Americans, uh, Africans, if I'm not mistaken, and a few uh, white VPs as well, senior VPs. I started reading everything I could find out about this bank. Uh, this bank. Tell us how long you've been there and what it means to you to have First um, Independence Bank right here. Sure, Gerilyn. You know, first of all, it's it's been a joy and it's been quite um, exciting just to see the amount of support and the excitement. And to your point, not just in the communities of color, but throughout the state, you know, even in in our white communities, we we've really seen people um, really get on board and first of all feel pride uh, proud, I should say, that we we are here. But also, it, I think it's becoming uh, a, a point of pride for for the state and and, and beyond. So, super excited about um, how we've been embraced and how we've been supported. And myself, I you know just actually um, finished off. I, my first year anniversary with um, First Independence Bank. And so it's just been quite the journey and quite the story how I came to um, be at the seat of this opportunity. And I'm just looking forward to it. And so, you know, I grew up here in the Twin Cities. And so to be a part of this, to bring a, a branch bank and resources to specifically the community that I grew up in, it's, you know, it's a blessing. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity. 
And of course, as you know, Minnesotans love their own. You know, if you're born and raised here, you are a graduate of the University of Minnesota uh, with over 15 years of experience in banking industry. We can go on and on about who you are, but let me tell you, Minnesotans start to hear you say, "Oh yeah, you know, I went to the, I graduated from the University of Minnesota." It's like everyone starts smiling. So really, um, I'm so excited that you are joining us tonight. So here we are looking at this Independence Bank. I want to know what it was like for you when the first phone call came in that was not pleasant because I'm sure many have have probably experienced that well you know it those are the things that 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 keep you up at night to be honest and so um, I also was excited though because it was our opportunity to get feedback and to really you know get some direction and, and specifically from the customer in regards to how we can things better and so, you know, I've been in banking for 15 years and, and banking or a banking relationship, you know, there's growing pains regardless of what institution. And I've been blessed and fortunate to work for uh, two larger institutions. And you know what? Throughout the, the course of our relationship with customers, we've had growing pains. And so it, it, it was something that was anticipated. And, but I was excited because we got the opportunity to really dig into and have an intimate conversation with the customer and really thank them, but also there was an opportunity to ask for grace because as we are, you know, establishing our branch location and really getting our resources available, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. And so it just, it's, it's nice to get the feedback because it gives us the opportunity to adjust. So it was a really good conversation. We both walked away feeling really good about the relationship. And I think, um, you know, that, that customer felt really heard and appreciated. And um, going forward, you know, we're, we're anticipating that, you know, somewhere down the road, there may be some, some other hurdles and some other rubs that we may have to embrace, but we're just hoping that we can continue to get that feedback, but um, the community continue to have grace and be patient with us as we go through it, you know, definitely hold us accountable so we can improve and, and, and always put the experience of the customer first, but also, um, be supportive as we um, continue to establish and, and get things set up here so we can we can continue to grow and learn we from have, whatever mistakes that we may have. We have so many banks here that have been set up, and we know that um, who they are, we know how they operate, and there have been some real challenges for um, the BIPOC community. Where do you go where you can trust your money? You can trust the people that are working with you, and that has been a challenge. How has First Independence bank been welcomed here of course it started if i'm not mistaken in michigan is that correct mm-hmm. sure right. and and so, so now you have go ahead no no go ahead i'm sorry well now you have several of the um, um the banks uh, do you call them stores or banks <laughs> Branches, branch locations. Thank you. Branch locations. Now you have uh, several. And and to know that you've been succeeding, I'm just curious to know what that really means to those that come stand in the line. Like me, I like to come in and meet people and be in their space instead of just do everything online. And I know online is a big thing for you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, branch, branch, or I should say banking in general, we all know that, you know, hasn't been as inclusive, especially when we're talking about communities of color. And so we're excited because this was a bold step. I mean, when you think about um, the partnership that we've, or the ecosystem, I would even call it, that we've we've created with the five other larger banks, I think that's a step in the right direction. You know, there's a lot of uh, things that 
that we, we still would need to get accomplished. There's a long road ahead of us, but this is the start of something that's really focusing on putting people first, powering the potential, and specifically um, targeting underserved communities. You know, we know that our communities of color um, have been marginalized and there's been systemic racism that has plagued the, the growth opportunity, especially when we're talking about building assets and building wealth. And so us um, being here is a part of the solution. You know, we're we're at the table and we're really having conversations with the other banks saying, how can we really work and, and together and really think about bringing equity into banking? And that way we can act, provide access and, 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 and bring resources to communities of color. The other thing is, you know, banks are a beacon of hope. And so to have a Black-owned bank here, you know, I think it really brings a sense of pride, but it also brings hope within the communities of color. You know, I, I will say that, you know, it's where it's our very, we're being very intentional and very deliberate about the resources in regards to product services that we want to bring to communities of color. But, you know, as, as I've stated in previous conversations, we're Black-owned, but we're not Black-only. You know, exactly. You know, we're we're looking to really grow and offer our full service resources throughout the Twin Cities and throughout the state of Minnesota. You know, we need all community support in the bank because one, because we are a bank, right? You know, we're very intentional on what we want to do in regards to communities of color, but we still need, um, uh, for example, we need our white allies. We need every community, every culture. Um, and if you allow me to use the analogy, Geraldine, in the boat rowing with us. You know, right. we, we, we are on the cuffs of doing something special, and it's going to take the, the, the support across communities for us to not just be successful, but for us to be sustainable. You know, you think about um, there used to be 100 minority-owned banks in, in the space of 5,000, and now there's, there's 17. And so for this to work, for us to be here for another 52 years, we're, we're hoping to expand our services and, and grow relationships uh, throughout this state and across the Twin Cities just to ensure that we're banking um, as many communities as we can in this state. So what are you hearing from the communities, especially when you say it, we're Black-owned, but we're not Black-only? You know, it, for me, it's hard to even hear that. We shouldn't have to say those sort of things, but then we do. Um, and, and you see how many companies are, or banks that have tried and not succeeded. This one is doing well so far, um, not just here uh, because you just opened, but, of course, in all the other places where you have banks. So when you say black owned, that's something to be, you know, proud of. If there's a um any any um banks that rise up and it's owned by people of color, whether they're black or Hispanic and you go on and on and on, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is this is what America is supposed to be about. We should be celebrating that, right? Do you feel as though in the first independence bank has um, people really celebrating them saying, we are so happy that you are here. It's been too long and now let's move forward. Are we going to start seeing more and more banks that are owned by African-Americans as well? So first, um, to answer your question, absolutely. You know, we—I've been elated to just see the the, like I said, the support and just the excitement. You know, people have specifically said to me, and not just within the black community or communities of color across this state, people have said, you know, this was a long time coming. 
You know, people were expecting um, something bold to happen after the murder of George Floyd. And I think it just really set our state up to really show this region, and I would even argue this this country, what true equity and access looks like. You know, and so it's exciting to see, you know, folks are coming in to the bank. They're they're establishing their relationships, and they're excited, and they're calling the bank their own. And so I think, you know, to the to answer your question, yes, you know, the the excitement is there, the the support is there, and like I said, I think it's a very prideful point. Uh, throughout um, the Twin Cities and, and across the state. In, in regards to Black-owned, I think we have to be um, very intentional about elevating that because of how um, few there are in the space, right? And, and to your point of all these other systemic racism things and marginalization and oppression that has really, you know, prevented Black wealth, you know, anytime you can elevate black entrepreneurship or 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 or, or a black owned business in general i think that's good to um especially for our own community right for our own future babies to see um and be exposed to what we would still say is still supposed to be the american dream so this is a, a bold step in that and that in that direction and, and we're excited the other part of it is to to, to also stress why we're not black only because we're a bank we're a business and so we need everyone's support. You know, we for us to have a sustainable business model and for us to continue to grow and to have the reach and the capacity to serve um, in the spaces and in, in the communities that we're being very intentional, we need that support. You know, it's no different than you supporting any any other bank or any other financial institution or any other retail place. You know, if you think about Target and the Walmarts and some of these other places, you know, they're just not banking one culture. And so I think you know, we have to be careful as we illustrate that because we don't want, I don't want, I should say, the confusion of people who aren't of color to think that because they're not a black or brown person that they can't bank with us, right? Because right. their relationship, especially the cultures or the communities that have the assets, that have the money, we need those relationships to that, that will truly give us the capacity to serve low to moderate income communities to really bring resources to um, diverse business owners to ensure, like I said, that everyone's having the opportunity to abundance and ultimately getting getting access so we can power their potential to grow. Okay, so let me just ask this question. I, you know, when I go to banks, I want to see the tellers. I want to see the loan officers. I want to have a relationship with them. That's the way banking used to be done. Now everything is technology. And I'm just curious to know, what percentage would you say is, you know, having people face-to-face -face and getting to know those that work there and they getting to know us uh, versus everything being online? Which one works the best? I think you need a, I think you need a combination of both. Just because banking is changing, the banking sector is changing, and technology is really taking over. You know, I think about my daughter. She'll be 21 here um, at the end of the year. Her and her, her friends would probably never step foot in a bank, right, because they do everything from their phones. And so you're seeing customer demand that's really dictating the technology that's, that's being introduced to banking. So I, I must state that. I do think it's just as important to have a branch presence. And, and I'm blessed because, you know, First Independence is a smaller uh, community firm. And so, you know, I think you need that to your point because you're still 
have the customer preference like yourself, a part of your experience is going in and interacting and building that relationship with people. So I think you need a balance. You know, as, as I think about my tenure in banking, you know, I, I've saw in situations where it, it absolutely made sense to have to lean more towards technology because the customers were telling you and their banking behaviors was telling you that, that maybe in this area that they were more driven towards banking from their phone or banking from their tablet or computer where you have and and you 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 probably see it more in communities of color where we're more transactional right and so that's where you have to be delivered about having it but i do think you it should be a balance because um because Customer habit is telling us that technology is um, important. You know, I myself, you know, before I go into a, a bank to do a product, I always go online, right? I don't mind putting in a loan application at 8 o'clock at night after after dinner. So I think, you know, to be well-rounded, I think you, you have to have balance of both because I do think there's still power in the human connection. I think there's still uh, power in a handshake and a smile and a thumbs up or a fist bump when you um, onboard a new customer or deepen the relationship or share what I would describe as one of their first, whether it's the first account, the first loan, the, stu- the first purchase of a home. So I think to balance those, but you, you as, a, as a bank, you just really want to keep your pulse in your ear to what your customers are telling you. And, and make those decisions accordingly. But to bring the, the customers in, specifically the seniors, they don't want all of the technology. And so I'm just That's curious correct. to know if First Independence Bank is saying, hey, come, all of you that want technology, we yes. can give you technology. And all of you who don't, mm-hmm. we can give you that too. So as long as yes, you yes. know people understand it, then I know you'll be you know full of, of clients and full of Minnesotans who come in and say, yes, I want to be a part of this. But that has been a real challenge for me watching my mother, you know, the way she deals with banking. And it's unfortunate. It's like they don't understand that uh, the senior citizens, this is what they're doing. They are going to stick to their way of doing it. And that's that. And I don't see anything wrong with that. We ought to be able to have the new and the old come together. And that's the beautiful thing, right? Absolutely. And I agree with that. And so yes, to your point, uh, we want folks to come pull on the doors. You know, we just opened up our drive up in our university location. And so we want people to come. And as important, we want people to come experience. You know, this is the first black-owned bank in the state of Minnesota. This is historic time. So we want people to come in, see the branch, meet the staff, get to know us. And then, you know what, the technology piece, that's an extra option for you. That's just giving you that flexibility for if for whatever reason you're in a rush and, and, and you can't make it over there to see us or you come pulling that door and we're not there, you always have a banker right there um, uh, as, as, as much as possible. But, yeah, we, we're we hopeful, you know, as, 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 as folks are listening to, you know, this show, I'm hoping that it motivates some people to say, you know what, I want to go be a part of something special. I want to go be a part of something that's bigger than me, that's really going to not just support a new bank that's coming in town, but to really give a bank that support to really power the potential of underserved communities. So we invite customers. We'll be opening our new, our second location here um, late next month. And so we want people. We want we want to see people, um, and 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 we want to do it in a very appropriate way. But you know, we want we want people to come, experience the branch, experience the staff and ultimately have intimate conversations so we can get you in the right product or service to get you on the path of, of building assets and ultimately 
building wealth that you can pass down throughout generations. Ah, there you go. That's what I was waiting to get to. I'm so happy that you join me tonight, Damon Jenkins, Senior Vice President of First Independence Bank. And uh, we are looking forward to, I'm looking forward to walking in that building and meeting the tellers and, um, you know, being able to see it, feel it and know that, wow, this is here. This is real. I'm so grateful for it. So thank you. And I do hope that you'll be there for a long while. Absolutely. Well, that's our prayer. We need the support. And so, you know, to everybody, as I've, as I've said in previous conversations, jump in this boat and roll with us and stay there. Even when the, I'll be when there. the tides get a little tough, uh, come yeah. on and support us. But super excited and appreciate the opportunity to come share, you know, our vision, vision and our message and just really what we're trying to get accomplished. Exactly. You know, and I will be walking you know. in the door soon. You will definitely know I'm in the space. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Damon, take care of yourself and thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Take care. You too. All right, everyone, we're going to take a break and coming back with Kristen Donaldson, co-host of the Info Booth Ladies podcast and a Minnesota State Fair information booth worker. We'll be back. It's 831 here at WCCO. And of course, coming up, we're going to have Kristen Donaldson, co-host of the Info Booth Ladies podcast and a Minnesota State Fair information booth worker. Now, the wonderful thing about CCO is that we get a chance to really talk about the State Fair and anything new. And of course, we talk about food and that sort of thing. But this is really important to know. And that's all coming up next. So stay tuned. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 8.38, and I'm excited to talk with our next guest. The start, of, the start of this year's state fair is less than four days away. Can you believe that? Everyone will be looking for all of their favorite places along with the new foods and exhibits. But how do you get there once you've entered the gates? Well, Kristen Donaldson works at the information booth during the fair. And last year, she and two fellow workers decided to launch the Info Booth Ladies Podcast. Well, what is that, you ask? Well, Ms. Donaldson is on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline to tell us all about it. How are you? And welcome to CCO, Kristen. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on. And I know that this podcast is not affiliated with the Minnesota State Fair, and the hosts cannot speak on behalf of the fair, of course. But it must be so <laughs> exciting that you started this podcast. Tell us all about it. Yeah, it has been so much fun. Um, the idea kind of came to me in the beginning of COVID when I was kind of losing my mind <laughs> and needed a new project. <laughs> and we launched it last summer. And we get to interview people who love the fair like we do and, you know, hear their backstories. We always say the podcast is about the people who make the fair run that come back year after year, take their two weeks vacation, um, bring back that institutional knowledge and are kind of the backbone of the fair experience for all of our guests. You know, I have been to the State Fair many, many, many times, as, as most of Minnesotans. And what I find is that the gate I go in and I say, okay, yeah, I know where this is. I know exactly what street is on. I know when to turn left and when to turn right. And then all of a sudden, somebody mixes something up, right? Um, and at first, for years, for many years, when I was, you know, having my babies and all of my mother's grandchildren, we'd all get together and go, things have kind of changed. And you have additions that are starting to be added more and more every year. So what you do is so important. Tell me how you do it. Um, well, you mean working in the booth? Absolutely. How do people, when people come up to the booth and ask you, you know, I thought it was such and such a place, where is it now? So how often <laughs> yeah. do, do the exhibits move around or how often do you get those kind of questions? Yeah, I mean, definitely things change every year. We always say it's impossible to know everything about the fair because it is so big, but also things do move and change every year, and there's new vendors every year. But one of the special skills of working in the information booth is like a, we always kind of like a special kind of translating. So people will come up and they'll give you little snippets of information that they maybe heard on the news or their neighbor told them about something. And so you have to take these little snippets and like translate it. I had a lady one time come up and ask me, like, do they move everything around? Do they, like, take down the street signs every year? And it's like, no. No. <laughs> it's not that, <laughs> not that whole sale of a change every year. But, um, yeah, so it, it's a lot of fun just trying to help people find where they need to go, where they want to go. And uh, we have lots of good stories. <laughs> so, so how does this work for you guys? Do you have someone that brings you information to go, okay, this is the new stuff. This is where it is. This is what you say to our guests that are coming through the gates. Um, or, or are you just, you know, you're there. We know that you're there, but we don't know how important <laughs> it is what you do. So when it comes to um, people wanting to see the same thing, I know I have several places at the state fair that I want to see each year, but I don't always get mm -hmm. to go. Um, 
and so where there are um, certain trucks or when it comes to agriculture or the butter princes, you know, it's those usually Mm -hmm. still, they tend to be where they've been. Um, And so as it moves around, how much time do you need to really get it in your head, get it written down and know where things have been moved that are not where they used to be? And do people get upset with you about it? Yes, of course. But um, we have a computer that we can use to look up on the finders that the fair provides us. Um, We have an amazing boss who does tons of legwork trying to figure out what has moved so that we have that at our fingertips. Um, So we have printed materials. We have the computer to consult. um, We have our memories. (laughs) Like I probably about five years in the booth before I really had a handle on the street names and where things were. And it's amazing because you know, you love the fair. I grew up going to the fair. I thought I knew everything about the fair. And my first day in the information booth was very humbling because you realize (laughs) how vast and how varied the fair is and how many different things are happening every day. I mean, there's so many exciting things to see every day. So when you guys talk about doing a podcast, are you depending on uh, what you're learning from the guests that are attending or are you doing it because you want to say, hey, this is what you need to know? It's more of an informational podcast. Which is it? It's so the idea came from um, the day before the fair. My colleagues and I, we do what we call a walkabout. So we walk around the fair and we see with our own eyes what's set up for the year, what has moved, what's changed, what's new. Um, and so and we always engage with the vendors and kind of chat them up. And we really enjoy that experience so much. And that was part of what we wanted to bring to our listeners was like a peek behind the scenes. I mean, there is so much that happens on the fairgrounds in the last 24 hours. It's absolutely incredible. So we like to in the podcast we like to go deep on people's individual stories so for example like this year one of the people we interviewed was stacy barona and her family owns the giant slide and a cheese on a stick booth and she grew up at the fairgrounds and so she has amazing stories she works there now but you know this like catalog of stories and um we like to go deep on that like individual stories the heart of the fair and so it's a little bit of um <laughs> it's kind of a a personal thing for us. We love to learn those details so we can share them with the guests in the when we're talking to them in the information booth. Um, and so it's part informational, but part just storytelling and history and tradition and just kind of reveling in all of those things that makes our state fair so amazing. You know, I tell my grandchildren often, please understand that we are just a collection of stories. All human beings, the Mm. whole planet, we are a collection of stories. And how important Mm -hmm. it is to savor, you know, to really enjoy and remember those uh, stories because they need to be shared uh, forever. And one thing the State Fair in Minnesota does very well is combine those stories and really let us hear the stories of different people from different areas. And we learn that we Mm -hmm. have a lot in common. So, of course, I remember the days when, um, you know, whether it was uh, a, a Black Lives Matter that was interrupting, people were saying, oh, it's interrupting the state fair mm-hmm. and people can't get through the gate and these sort of things. Um, what did you guys mm-hmm. do about that? Did, did you have anything to do with that? Did you have to go and calm people down or, or is, is part of your job telling someone, hey, did you hear that this is happening right now? No, I mean, that's all handled um, kind of at a different level than we're at. We are near the main gate, so um, mm-hmm. we we did, like, you know, witness that sort of thing. But, no, that's that's above our pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so then what are you looking forward to this year when it comes to what you do? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm looking forward to the people watching. It's phenomenal at the fair and especially from our info booth window. I'm looking forward to the food, of course, and mostly just making memories with my family. I work till 2.30 every day, and then my kids and my husband come out a few days and just savoring the 12 days, the Brigadoon-esque of the fair, you know, just being there with everyone and um, doing all the things and making all the memories. <laughs> you know, COVID really changed a whole lot, and people were worried that, you know, will people continue, will the, the millions of people continue to come out to the State Fair in Minnesota? And, yeah, I mean, it's been happening, hasn't it? Yeah, we had a good turnout last year. I mean, less than a normal year, of course. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to this year. We're hoping, hoping to have a good turnout again. We, we missed the fair. It was just terrible to not have it in 2020. Of course, we understood and fully supported that, but it, we missed it. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to being back out there again this year. So am I, Kristen. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for joining us tonight. And if people want to access your podcast, where do they go? Yeah, you can find it anywhere you find podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Google, all of those major things. If you just search for Info Booth Ladies, you'll find us. Um, last year was season one, and we're in the middle of season two right now. Info Booth Ladies. What in the world do you wear? Do you have a uniform? <laughs> <laughs> yep, what does that look like? Turquoise State Fair t-shirt. <laughs> Can't miss you on it with a turquoise t-shirt. So that's exciting. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us clarity on that. Um, and if people want, of course, to to figure out what it is that you guys are doing, just go to Info Booth Ladies. <laughs> I'm sorry, Info Booth Ladies. And there's a dash in between booth and ladies. Do I have that right? On the on the website, yeah, yeah. The website, yep. Info booth dash ladies dot simplecast dot com. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, Kristen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, everyone, we're going to take a break and come back and talk about some of the things that are going on at the state fair that you may not know about. We'll be back. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, my gosh. Just talking to uh, Kristen about the State Fair made me, you know, reminiscent. Um, I, I kept thinking, my goodness, I remember taking the children and going with my sister and all her children. We just had a blast. So many years of that. But there are some new attractions uh, to the new Midway, especially the rides. They have coming this year um, the Iron Dragon Coaster and Music Express. Um, and I'm curious to know what both of these are. So let me tell you the details of Iron Dragon Coaster. Uh, it's a spectacular roller coaster. It has plenty of hairpin turns, uh, fast and sudden drops, and lots of airtime. Okay, I won't be eating before I get on that. Okay, then there's Music Express. Fly at top speed, forward and backward, through dazzling lights and splashing music. And that's daily from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, and then on Labor Day, it'll only go till 9 p.m. So that's what's happening 
happening with the rides, but there's so much more that is happening, like the Blue Ribbon Bingo. Um, it, it's interesting. There's so many Minnesotans that love bingo, and this time it's making its debut at the Minnesota State Fair. Bingo proceeds support the Minnesota State Fair Foundation, 501c3, celebrating 20 years in 2022. So you get a chance to play bingo now, Blue Ribbon Bingo at the Minnesota State Fair. Then there's the survival, um, the exhibition. It's uh, adventure, fun, and science collide. Um, survival, the exhibition, transports guests of all ages to the world's most awe-inspiring locales and asks the question, how can humans survive here? Whoa, see, I'm interested in that. And then, of course, there we have to be excited, at least, um, that there's been 75 years of the FFA show at the Minnesota State Fair. 75 years, amazing. And so many young people are still completely involved. Um, open captioning, audio description, and ASL is at the fair this year. That is great news. And then there's the Eco Experience. It has new features. Uh, it's an award-winning exhibit and array of new Features include displays, a must-see giant loon, and an oversized cardboard moose, plus resources and demonstrations that highlight what you can do to help improve our air, land, water, and climate. Yes, yes. Let's talk about that at the State Fair. Then I want to say congratulations. The Old Iron Show turns 25 years old, and the Agriculture Horticulture um, Building's 75th anniversary. So, man, you know, we realize that we know how long this has been happening here in the great state of Minnesota, but when you start reading it, you just kind of get pretty surprised. At least I do. And I know that there are some competitions. I'm going to end with this, Jonathan. Um, There are new creative activities like, um, oh, let's see. There are um, the great chocolate cake contest um, that's been added. Low to no sugar showdown. There's a salad bowl tournament and supreme sourdough bread contest. So there's a lot for young people. There's a lot for older people. And the bottom line is that you get a chance to get out there and have some fun. Isn't that what it's all supposed to be about? Yeah, that's what it's all supposed to be about. And I don't know if I'm going to go this year. Are you going, Jonathan? I'll be there. I have to go for work. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you tell us uh, what's going to happen at the CCO booth? Uh, it's just this is the first time we'll be back in two years. We were not there right. either in 2020 or in 2021. Uh, for for the people that decided to keep us out last year, I do want to thank them for just they put our safety and our health above everything. And I know that was a disappointment to a lot of fans that expected us to be back out of the fair. But we will be back this year. We will have all the weekday shows from the morning news through uh, Jason DeRussia out there basically every day. There might be a couple days where we have some other things out there. You know, Remy Maxwell might, will be out there from uh, Jack FM. So it'll be a fun time, and we're enjoying uh, getting back to the fair. We are three days, ten hours, and three minutes away. See you out there at the Minnesota State Fair. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.